You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams. The British Horse Society Intensive Certification Program is recognized in 35 countries worldwide. Pursue your international certification at Stony Burnham Equestrian Centre, located in historic Greenfield, Massachusetts. The Stony Burnham Equestrian Centre is the only British Horse Society approved centre in New England. The rigorous program begins each fall for students aged 17 and above who are interested in earning their international trainer's passport, qualifying them for equestrian careers locally, regionally and globally. Learn more at stonyburnhamschoolorg backslash equestrian. Welcome back, everyone, to the Athletic Equestrian Riding College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I've been interviewing collegiate coaches and organizations and riders, and today I am talking to a rider, and she is Francesca Moore. She is a freshman at Emory University, which is in Atlanta, Georgia, and she currently rides on the IHSA team in the Open Division. And her life has always revolved around horses, having lived in Wellington, which is like the horse capital of the world. And prior to college, she would spend every moment riding, training and showing. And she competes year round in Wellington uh, at both ESP and, and WEF. And She has ridden a variety of horses in multiple divisions, such as the amateur owner jumpers, as well as the three, six equitation. And she hopes to be able to work in equestrian sports marketing. So welcome Francesca to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about, uh, with my riders, I like to start from the beginning. Let's talk about when you started riding, where you grew up and all of that kind of stuff. So I was actually born in South Florida, which is where Wellington is. Um, I was born probably about an hour south of there. Um, and eventually my parents moved up to the Wellington area. And I actually started riding when I was five. Um, it's kind of a funny story. My mom was on like Groupon and found a, just an ad for, you know, horseback riding lessons. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, my daughter, like, she's always loved animals because I, I have. I've always loved animals. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would do, like, the pony rides at the fair. Yeah. Um, and so they thought that would be a great idea. And they still say it was, you know, the most expensive mistake that they ever made. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that just kind of, you know, just lit the fire. Um, I started at, you know, just your standard lesson barn. So okay. it was nothing, like, not like what I'm doing now. Not a show barn. Fun. Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. they had, you know, summer camp, they had quality, just lesson horses, the steady eddies, you know, yeah. that taught you everything you needed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from there, it just kind of has exploded, I guess. <laughs> okay. So, so at what point did you switch to a barn that was more competitive or, or more active in the show world? So I probably spent 
about three years at that lesson barn. Um, and then a trainer who had come in, uh, who had had experience on like the A circuit in like the show world, um, kind of, you know, started opening up our, like our eyes and the other clients eyes to, you know, what horse showing was. We'd done a few local shows, you know, lead line, short stirrups and stuff like that. Um, and so this trainer kind of came in and kind of opened up our, our eyes to that. And she ended up going on to build her own barn. And so we followed her there. Uh. And from then I, you know, started attending uh, more rated shows through her and then found more barns to that. And we eventually moved into a barn that was in the Wellington area. Uh, and that kind of got me, you know, really in the middle of it. And so now I've just been there. <laughs> okay. So, so before college, you were active in the jumpers and the equitation? Yes. And I would also do hunters. I was a really big catch rider. So, you know, um, anyone that needed their horse sold, like if my trainer knew someone that needed the horse ridden to be shown to be campaign, um, I would, you know, do whatever, but I mainly did a lot of the jumpers. Uh, I had a junior jumper and so that's what we did together. Yeah. And, and, um, so what, uh, first off catch riding, that's the best preparation for collegiate riding that there are. Yes. <laughs> right? And um, so when it came time for you to start looking uh, at schools, how how important was the school having a riding team to you? So it's actually really funny because I had planned on not joining a riding team um, in college. I had kind of, my whole mindset was, you know, I want to go to college to get this career so that I can eventually be able to support myself and have my horses and live my riding dream. Right. And so I had, you know, I knew going to Emory, Atlanta, the horse industry is like about 40 minutes from Atlanta. You have to go into Alpharetta and Marietta and stuff. Oh, okay. um, and I knew as a first year, especially, we're not a lot of cars on campus. And so I knew it would be hard to be able to get like a position at a barn riding working student or whatever because right. I wouldn't be able to transport myself so I kind of had actually been like I'm not gonna ride it's fine I'll take the year, year off it's cool and then of course I was there for like two weeks and I was like I need to sit on a horse I'm going this crazy. Is crazy. yes and so um it just so happened we had our club uh sport fair and I was looking on the roster and it said equestrian team and I was like well I should go and see what this is about and so I did, I met with the girls and I originally, again, I was kind of like, oh, I feel like this is too much a hassle my first year, you know, first semester getting into it. And I was like, you know what? I need to do it. I need to be around horses. It'll be so much better for my mental health than everything and just getting to, you know, do it. And so I messaged the girls and I was like, I know this is a little last minute, but you know, can oh. I join the team? And they're like, yeah, of course. They, I sent them videos of me riding and it was, you know, it worked out. So so that they were probably thrilled to have you if you came in in the open division, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and with your experience. Yeah, it's really cool because um, our team is very diverse in the fact that we have some riders that, you know, have competed at the level of I've competed. And then we have girls that one like have never, you know, sat on a horse before. And it's really cool because there's like a sense of camaraderie, especially at the shows. Right. And that's the great thing about the IHSA, right? is is normally you think of a uh sports team as only the elite riders you know mm -hmm. uh, only the highest level so how has that been for you going from an individual sport to a team sport it's definitely been um 
you know, a bit of a, a shift, but like a welcome shift, you know, it's cool because I definitely, you know, outside of IHSA, when you are just an individual, you're competing really like against yourself and the other people and you, you have your support system in your team with your trainers and your barn people and, you know, barn mates. Okay. Um, but it's, there's something different when you and a group of people are collectively competing for the same thing, you right. know, with the team points. And so it's really cool because, you know, everyone is, like, everyone matters. Everyone's important, like, because you can get in points and, you know, for the high points and stuff like that. So it's, it's a really cool, like, change having, like, that really big group of support. Yeah. And how many riders are on your team? We have 17 this semester. Okay. And is it co-ed? Yeah. No, it's all girls. Um, uh, but I, I mean, it probably could be co-ed, but okay. <laughs> it's okay. just we only have girls. Right. Because it's a it's a club sport. That yeah. Summer. Okay. And do you have to pay all your own show expenses and all that? So we have semester dues um, that we have to pay. And then the class, the class fees are um, our individual per show. I know that the funding from the university covers part of like what the dues are covering, but right. we do still pay dues. Okay. And um, did, did you said that most of the barns are 40 minutes away, but where do you ride? 40 minutes away. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what, what's the name of your barn and who's your coach? Okay, so we're actually, this is kind of um, a different situation because we actually are going through a coach and barn uh, switch into this new semester. Oh, so, okay. yeah, so we'll now be riding with Windsor Stables out of Alpharetta, Georgia. Okay, and and um, just curiosity, Emery, is that a, a lot of students? Are there, is it a big school? Um, it's definitely on the smaller side. I would say it's a private school. So, um, I mean, we have, they have a really big graduate, uh, population, but it definitely feels way smaller than other colleges that I visited before coming. So, okay. I just looked it up 14,000. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe it's a bit bigger. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, feel that way. So nice. Small to me, my graduating class at Lake Erie college where I graduated from was 64. Wow. But see, and then, so our, like the Florida schools, like you have University of Central Florida that has like a hundred thousand students in their undergraduate, right. which is insane. So. Right. right. I get it. In, in <laughs> comparison, it, it is small. Yeah. That's definitely a difference. Yeah. So do you, do you like the school? Is it right in the city? Yeah. So it's interesting because it's right in the city and the fact that like you can go up onto like the third floor of, or sorry, the top floor of our library and you can see the Atlanta skyline, oh, but nice. the way it's actually in, um, I'm sorry. Whoops. It's actually in the town called Decatur, which is a part of Atlanta. So it's a little okay. subset and okay. it's like a suburb. So surrounding the um, university is just a bunch of like really nice houses and it's really green and lively, but there's still, you know, a bunch of restaurants and you're about like 20 minute drive, 15 minute drive into the city with traffic, Atlanta traffic, it's more 20 minutes, but okay. so you okay. are like connected to that culture of Atlanta yeah. and the city, but you're not in the city. Nice. And going back to the team, uh, what other teams do you compete against? So the, uh, teams that we compete against are Barry university, mm -hmm. um, Alabama, Auburn, 
Kennesaw, Kennesaw State. And I think that's it. There are a few others, but those are the main yeah. ones. Yeah. And, and Mississippi State as well. Right. And, and if our listeners um, have been paying attention, they know that Auburn and Barry is new, but, uh, and one other school that you said actually have uh, NCEA team too. Mm-hmm. So they, they offer both and riders for the, uh, for the most part that are on the NCEA team at Auburn are not on the IHSA team. One is a club sport and one is varsity. So that's mm-hmm. how that works just for their information. So um, if you're in the open, are you in the running for the Cashion Cup standings? Uh, I could be, but probably not this semester. The way our okay. zone is set up, we don't really have that many competitions. Um, and I think also going back to uh, like with the old barn situation, I think there were definitely more competitions that we kind of missed out on. Oh, um, okay. So I definitely, that is something like I, I really want to qualify for regionals. I really want to qualify for zones. Yes. Um, so definitely probably will be like a next year thing yeah. for me, but for sure. Yeah. Well, you're only a freshman, so. <laughs> yeah, I got time. <laughs> yes. So um, the, I, I told you a little bit before we started, what attracted me to your email was you said you were an influencer. So yeah. I do know what that is. Now I'm quite a bit older than you, <laughs> but um, I have people that work for me that do all my social media and everything. So I, I have a, a basic understanding, but how does that work? Like, do you set out to become an influencer? <laughs> does it just happen? Is it because you have really fun content? I mean, I know a little bit about it because uh, some of my reels on my Sally Batten equestrian clinics have gotten 40,000. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, um, gosh, Francesca, can I call myself an influencer? <laughs> I think you could in a sense. Okay. So, so how did that all, how did that all start? What started your influencer career? Oh gosh. I mean, honestly like accident I guess I mean so I like you know I grew up in the age of social media so when I was in like middle school begging my parents for an Instagram and um when I got Instagram I remember seeing you know these girls that had tons of followers and they would just post these cool videos of them riding their horses with like slow motion and stuff and I was like I want to do that like I want to show people what I'm doing and so I kind of did that once I actually had kind of moved into the Wellington scene. I was like, okay, like I'm going to start posting my writing and, you know, just sharing it with people because right. this is what I love. And I loved doing the editing and stuff like that. And so right. that like the Instagram side, um, this was before TikTok was even a thing. Okay. Um, so the Instagram side, I just kind of built my following based on just posting videos of, you know, me riding and of my horses and stuff like that. And I slowly grew a gradual following I had like a few thousand and then TikTok came and that's where you know TikTok is such a interesting platform because it's just very easily digestible content really quickly and so people can just see a ton of things all at once really in short periods of time and so TikTok came onto the scene and you saw these people that would just post one video and it'd blow up into like a million views and then suddenly they're famous and so I remember um 
I was just an avid watcher of TikToks and I would see like really funny videos. I'd be like, this is so funny. I kind of have an idea for this. And I would just make them. And then suddenly they started getting traction and I was like, okay, maybe there's something that can be, you know, actually done with this. And I never really thought it would be. um, But, you know, suddenly one thing leads to another. I start, you know, I made like an equestrian dedicated TikTok and I would post, you know, funny relatable videos with trends I would just post cool slow motion edits of me riding and stuff like that and slowly you know they started blowing up and my follower you know count just started climbing and then next thing I know I'm getting emails from brands asking to send me stuff and work with me and now it's just that (laughs) um and it's really cool (laughs) I I really want to get into that um first off when you were talking about all that it's really it's really an art form, isn't it? Where, where you decide what, because I mean, I've seen my um, director of marketing and social media do this, take, take little bits of things, put it with Mm -hmm. the right song that's trending or Mm -hmm. whatever, right. Or that might be funny. And, and that's really what attracts people. So, and editing, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, it's kind of like a game. Like the editing is definitely the art form and it's super fun. I love doing like I like if I get a cool video of me riding, I will put that thing to slow-mo a thousand times because it's just it's fun. Um but the it's definitely a game too with like the audio. It's like, okay, like if I put this to this audio, then like it's more likely to go viral. So we're gonna see. And then you just never know if the algorithm picks it up. Yeah. And and then there's um, I was at the uh, Pennsylvania National Horse Show mm. and I was just walking around and I saw a cute uh, girl on a pony. Right. And mm-hmm. her her I don't know if they were her trainers or her parents or whatever were just brushing the pony and putting on the hoof polish. I didn't even put a song to it. I just walked around and I said I called it pony time. I got, I've gotten fifty five thousand Oh my gosh. Um, and and uh, my director of, of marketing is so mad. She's like, you didn't even curate it or, you know, y- use it. Oh, it's crazy. Else. I've like, had some. Why? Um, no, I've had some videos. I will like, I'll have this idea for weeks. I'll work so hard on it. I'll be like, this is going to blow up. Yeah. Nothing. And then yeah. I'll be posting a random video for my dorm, like something <laughs> stupid. And suddenly it's 100,000 views. And I'm like, I don't understand. Why? Why? Yeah. Why universe? <laughs> so, so talk about brands contacting you because I keep asking her, is there some way that I can monetize this? So, yes. So yeah. talk about that. So um, in order to keep my amateur status with Yousef, I'm actually not right. allowed to right. take monetary um, yes. payment from brands. Yes. So instead I get paid in products, okay. but my way around that is the TikTok creator fund can give me money because that's not affiliated with riding or a horse or sponsorship or anything. Granted, okay. the TikTok creator fund, their return on like on payment per views is not great, but I can get a little bit of money from there. But okay. with the equestrian brands, uh, most of my deals have just been through products, which is great because we all know how expensive horse products are. So if I can get them so, for free in exchange for a video, it's fine. So g- go ahead. Just shout out a name uh, or make one up if you if you aren't supposed to use them i don't know how this goes <laughs> but um uh they con they contact you 
Yes. So I have my, um, the way my, my Instagram and my TikTok, cause they're linked and I get, I kind of have similar audiences on both. Obviously the TikTok audience is way broader. The right. Instagram audience is a bit more contained, um, and more niche, but I have my, e- my email just in my business email, just okay. in both of that, both of the bios. So let's say a brand like sees, you know, my account, um, actually most of the, the brands, like the emails will start with, Oh, we've seen your account. We like your content. And so they'll just click the email and they email me and I'll get it in my inbox and I'll talk to them. So I've worked with, uh, a few, um, brands, which you or viewers might know, uh, Kunkel gloves, okay. uh, has sent me gloves in exchange for posts. Um, they're actually really awesome. They send me a lot of cool stuff. Um, so, so do you just have to wear the gloves or do you have to mention, do you have to say, I love my Kunkel gloves? Yeah. Like- so I will usually like, I obviously actively use them because it's a great product, but I will also like take a video or a picture of me, or if there's a picture where the gloves are visible, like of me jumping in the ring, I'll tag them and sometimes mention them, um, depending on like the ratio of posts. Another, uh, brand that's definitely the Kunkel uh, relationship is a bit more lax. Like they just, they, they will just send me gloves for, um, for just posting and tagging. But, uh, I've also worked with, uh, go to equestrian apparel. Um, I love their breeches. They're amazing. And uh, <laughs> okay. this is not even cause I'm sponsored. Yeah. It's great. But, yeah. um, they, and so they'll, they, they've sent me a few like campaigns of like, okay, can you post like three photos or like three photos in a reel, um, in exchange for these pants and in those pants, uh, in those posts, I'll be like showing, you know, the pants okay. off and stuff. Okay. So, and, and so at these companies, is it somebody's job to watch TikTok videos and see who's trending? I guess. Yeah. It's probably their head of, um, I would think there's like a marketing like job or something with that because I mean, I, so another part of it is they'll usually give me like a code so that I can be, it's an incentive for my followers. I can be like use code Francesca 10 for 10% off your order. Right. And so then that also, you know, helps them create sales because people obviously you know, everyone loves a deal. And so yeah. that also, um, incentivizes it. Yeah. I love that, that you're 19 and you said my business email, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just like casual, you know, that's not a, a normal 19 year old thing. So, um, what if you weren't an amateur, what would you be getting money from these companies? I would imagine probably, yeah. I think def- so the social media thing is, I've had, um, some brands like want to give me money and I'm like, I'm sorry, like I can't, you know, cause if it, if it were to get out, like it'd be bad. But, um, so like there is like, it depends, I would think because some of these brands do know their audience. They're like, we know that you would love a pair of $200 pants. So we'll right. just give you that instead of giving you $200 for the post, right. you know? Right. Right. Um, so it's different. And I've also like, besides just horse brands, I've also had brands that are not entirely horsey that are trying to break into the horse world. Oh, so nice. actually I'm supposed to be working with this spray on deodorant uh, brand soon. They're supposed to be sending me stuff, which I think is cool because I know some days at the horse show, it'd be nice to just like spray <laughs> like town and keep clean. So I'm yeah. excited to definitely turn that for an audience. I did a really cool uh, campaign with, I don't know if you know the spirit horse movie. Sure. Um, yeah. So they, I guess two years, 2020, um, 
no, 2021. They, summer 2021, they released a sequel. It was a new animated movie for Spirit. And I got an email from Universal Pictures oh. wanting to do a campaign. And they sent me this giant like PR package with a bunch of Spirit toys and apples for my horse and stuff. Oh. And like, I got to view the movie early. And all I did had to do was take a photo of my horse with like the Spirit stuff. And it was so cute and so fun. So oh, that's so cool. I got to, I got to look back now and, and find that. <laughs> Cute. So um, off the fun stuff, let's go back to the serious stuff. What what do you want to do? What do you know what you're going to major in yet? What what do you think you want to do after college? Yeah. So right now um, I'm planning on getting a BBA, a bachelor's in business administration through okay. the Emory uh, Goizueta Business School. And right. then I think I'm going to also do a minor in art history. Um okay. So the way the business school at Emory is laid out, you can do primary, secondary, and secondary, uh, like, uh, focuses, and then also a concentration. And so I think I'm going to do a primary, um, a primary focus in marketing, and then maybe a secondary in finance. Um, but I just realized that I want to go into marketing and hopefully either, like, fi- found my own marketing firm or do some sports marketing, like with equestrians or something. Great. Because when I tell you, my whole goal in life is just to have as many horses as possible and be able to jump <laughs> Grand Prix and stuff. And unfortunately, it's a very expensive goal. So <laughs> I want to be able to like fund that passion with another thing that I'm passionate about. And it just so happened that with how social media has kind of fallen into my lap, I've gotten an inside look at this marketing, how marketing works. And it's right. so interesting. And I'm I just love like coming up with new ideas to try and, you know, get people to like this thing or get people to like click on this brand. So yeah. I, I definitely want to do something in that. And if I could do it like with horses, that'd be yeah. even better. Yeah. I want you to contact me in 10 years and tell me if you've done it, because I'm telling you, your enthusiasm, it could get you there. Thank sure. you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And what do you like to do um, besides, you know, when you're not studying or, or doing horses? What, what else do you like to do? Um, I def- So I like to play video games. <laughs> okay. I'm like actually a very avid uh, video gamer, which I, it's kind of funny, but it's like, you know, passion. Um, like it's, it's very, it's when you've had a day full of just like lectures, sometimes it's nice off. Yeah, sometimes just to hold a, you know, controller and just stare at a screen. Um, But I also am, like, avid in the gym. I found, like, with school, uh, it's nice to, like, kind of have that as a structure, especially, like, throughout finals week. Like, I just, my last final was on Friday. I mean, on Monday. Um, And, like, throughout finals week, uh, it was really nice to have that when, like, I knew I couldn't obviously make the commute to the barn to at least be able to go to that, to get me out of my dorm, like from studying and like burying myself in work. Um, right. So that's also been nice to like help me again, like keep positive mental health. I like reading too. I'm yeah. a nerd. <laughs> like yeah. I love like all like stuff like that. Me too. Fellow nerds unite. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I wrote a book that came out this year and I, the, the um, publisher is Horse and Rider Books, which is, does all oh. of the you know, uh, almost all of the horse books, but their warehouse and offices happen to be, I'm in New Hampshire, they're in Vermont. Oh, so usually authors get the book shipped to them. I got to go to the 
warehouse oh, and, that's and I told them, I said, this is my, you know, eight to 10 year old animal lover self's dream come true. Yeah. I used oh, to go to the so library cool. and mm-hmm. check out, you know, 10 to 20 books every week on mostly animals and horses. Yeah. And, uh, you know, t- just to walk in that warehouse and think I'm now a part of this. I mean, so, That's so incredible. Funny. Yeah. So um, I have really enjoyed this, Francesca. Me and, too. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This podcast is supported in part by the Interscholastic Equestrian Association, now celebrating 20 years of providing competitive opportunities to thousands of youth riders in hunt seat, western, and dressage. Give your rider a leg up into collegiate equestrian sport without the need to own a horse. Membership for the 2022-2023 IEA season will open in June. For more information, visit rideiea.org or follow IEA on social media at rideiea. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Equestrian Podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyata and the music is by Kitcher.